Hello, everybody. My name is David, and I'm going to be giving a kind of a review and a more of a narrow beam focus on something that Tom K uh, talked about last week. Let me stop there. Is that how does the back and forth go? Like you talked here about this. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Oh, sure. Should I do like a clapper? <laughs> One, two, three. Hello, everybody. I am David, and I am going to be focusing today on sharing a little bit more of a kind of a, a more narrow focused uh, story from part of something that Tom K shared last week. I wanted to focus on a character that he mentioned kind of briefly. Leah, one of Jacob's two wives, the two sisters that he married. He, he went through a lot. He talked about Isaac and how Isaac was kind of messed up, and he talked about all the shenanigans that Jacob got through, um, marrying two sisters, uh, you know, loving one of them more than the other, cheating and lying and being cheated and lied to by his father-in-law, and all this stuff and all this trouble that he got into. And something that really, really stands out to me as I've been thinking about this, has been how Leah, in particular, would have felt. Because if you remember, um, she, of the two sisters, was not considered to be the prettier one. She was not the one that Jacob wanted, but Laban had essentially tricked Jacob into marrying her. One of the resources that I find really, really helps capture this is the, uh, the children's Bible, the Jesus Storybook Bible, so I'm just going to read this story from there, and then I'm going to give you some of my thoughts. The Girl No One Wanted, the story of Jacob, Rachel, and Leah from Genesis 29 and 30. There were once two sisters. The youngest sister was very beautiful, and her name was Rachel. But the oldest sister wasn't beautiful at all. In fact, some thought her quite ugly, and her name was Leah. Rachel was the kind of girl who always gets invited to parties and chosen for the team. Everyone loved her. And poor Leah? Hardly anyone even noticed her. One day, their cousin Jacob came to stay. He was one of Isaac's sons, and he was on the run. Jacob had stolen and cheated and made some enemies, including his own brother, and now he was hiding. The funny thing is, Jacob, of all people, was the one God gave the special promise to the same promise he had given his grandfather, Abraham. I will rescue the world through your family. But then God chooses people we least expect, as we'll see. Jacob stayed a long time working for his uncle Laban. One day, Laban said, Jacob, I've decided to pay you for your work. What do you want? A sudden thought occurred to him. How about one of my daughters? Jacob looked at Rachel, and he looked at Leah. Who would he choose? Of course, he chose Rachel. I'll work seven years for free, Jacob said, if I can marry Rachel. So Jacob worked seven years, and at last, his wedding day arrived. But that night, Laban played a nasty trick on Jacob. Instead of sending Rachel to marry Jacob, he sent Leah. Now, in those days, they didn't have electricity, so it was dark in their tent. And besides, women wore veils, and you couldn't see their faces properly. So Jacob didn't suspect anything. The next morning, Jacob woke up, 
and screamed. His new wife was lying, was lying beside him, but it wasn't Rachel. It was Leah. Jacob jumped out of bed. Laban, he cried, you scoundrel. But Laban said, work for me another seven years, and then you can marry Rachel. So Jacob worked for Laban another seven years, and at last Rachel became his wife. Now Jacob had two wives, but of his two wives, Jacob loved Rachel the best. No one loves me, Leah said. I'm too ugly. But God didn't think she was ugly. And when he saw that Leah was not loved and that no one wanted her, God chose her to love her specially, to give her a very important job. One day, God was going to rescue the whole world through Leah's family. Now, when Leah knew that God loved her in her heart, suddenly it didn't matter anymore whether her husband loved her the best or if she was the prettiest. Someone had chosen her. Someone did love her with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. So when Leah had a baby boy, she called him Judah, which means this time I will praise the Lord. And that's just what she did. And you'll never guess what job God gave Leah. You see, when God looked at Leah, he saw a princess. And sure enough, that's exactly what she became. One of Leah's children's children's children would be a prince, the prince of heaven, God's son. This prince would love God's people. They wouldn't need to be beautiful for him to love them. He would love them with all of his heart, and they would be beautiful because he loved them, like Leah. So I was just thinking, as much as it is impossible for me to truly put myself back thousands of years in a completely different time, in a completely different culture, as a woman, in a society where you were only valuable if you could bear children. And to boot, it's actually recorded for all of history. It's in the Bible that Rachel was just prettier than Leah and that Leah was unwanted. Trying to put myself in that mindset is really hard. But I think it's very important that all of us do just that and try and understand how that sort of thing would feel. Some of us will probably have an easier time of doing that. Some of us might feel as if nobody wants me. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody's face lights up when I walk in the room. Nobody is thinking about me when I'm not there. Or worse, when I leave, people are relieved to see me go. That's hard. And maybe all of us go through those thoughts sometimes. Maybe some of us more than others. But what's so, so important about this story and what is also recorded for all of time is that when God saw that Leah was not as loved as Rachel, he had compassion for her because he loved her and he began to bless her. He began to give her children so that she could rejoice. Even in the midst of this society where she was only valued for her ability to bear children, God gave her that so that she could rejoice in that. 
Now, the flip side of this, and it's really important for us to understand this as well, it's not because Leah was good. It's not because Leah was better. It's not because Leah did everything right. In fact, if you remember from what Tom K was saying last week, and if you read the account in Scripture, Leah is about as messed up in what she tries to do, in, in the manipulations that she tries, in her desperation to get blessing from her husband, the things that she tries, is pretty much as bad as anything Jacob does or anything Rachel does. It is not a healthy family dynamic. That's important too. The Bible describing what happened is not saying, oh yeah, this is great and everybody should do this. That's not at all what's going on. It's just saying, this is how people are. And this is who people are. This, this is people who God chose to, to bless and to carry on his plan through, no matter what they did. So God had compassion for her, not because she was good, but because she had nothing. Because she was not loved, because she was impoverished in a sense, God had compassion for her. It wasn't her goodness it was God's love and his compassion. Now, you might hear that, and if you're thinking, wait a minute, isn't there stuff in the Bible about how we're not supposed to show partiality to certain people, how God doesn't show partiality? And that's a very good question. And it's, it's really, really important for us to get this distinction. God, over and over in the Bible, it says that God is, does not show partiality to anyone who does wrong. He doesn't show partiality. If, if you're rich or you're, you're poor, if you commit a sin, you should be judged according to your sin, not according to your stature. That is the kind of partiality that God speaks against. Because when it comes down to it, the only, the only distinction that matters in terms of sin and our standing before God is whether we are guilty or not guilty whether we're rich or poor from a particular ethnicity, none of that, we're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. We are either guilty or not guilty when we stand before God. But when God shows favor and grace, the people that he does that to are the people who have less, the people who are broken, the people who are hurting. In fact, he says in Matthew 5, he opens up his famous Sermon on the Mount with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall be comforted. Or, I'm sorry, he says, for, they, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And he goes through these different, these different people that are blessed simply because of the situation they're in, and he is expressing his heart for those people. And in James 1 and 2, it talks about how God's heart is for the needy. And he encourages people. He says true religion, actually practicing something which pleases God and lives out the, the work that God does through us is to take care of widows, take care of orphans, take care of people who need it. And don't just say, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, but actually take care of them. So it's really, really important that we understand why God chose Leah, why God chooses us when we're at our lowest, because we are broken. We have nothing to bring to him. And when we realize that, when we realize our poverty, 
And when we're at our lowest moment and we're thinking, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me, it's an encouragement to us to remember it's not because we're good. It's not because we do the right thing that God has compassion on us, that God loves us. And don't get me wrong, he loves when we do what he wants us to do. He loves when we walk out in the, in the nature and character that he pours into us. But he loves us because of who he is. And he shows favor. And he looks kindly and with compassion on people who need it most. And so it can be really easy for us to look and say, well, I don't want to treat, I don't want to, to show partiality, or I want to object that this person is, is getting partiality. But are we really looking at things with God's eyes? Are we looking to really practically help people who are hurting? So it is an encouragement to us to know that when we're in those difficult situations that God has compassion on us just because of who he is, but it is a challenge to us as well to look at people, maybe, when we're in a position where we're not, we're not suffering as much, where we're not quite as impoverished, when we have a gift that God has given us, to look and see the people that his heart is for, that his eyes are pointed to, and to reach out and give to them and focus on them in the same way that God focuses on us when we need him most.